It's a blessing to be here today. I want to thank you, Pastor Wade, for the invitation. And uh, Frank, uh, I'm also looking forward to uh, spending a couple of days with you, a brother in Christ and a fellow colleague in Eastern and Southern Africa. But I'll have to be very honest with you. Uh, I know most of what I know about Frank because we have a mutual friend, uh, Joe Ward, uh, who served in Tanzania. And then also when we moved to the field in 1992, I think my mother-in-law got to missing her grandchildren. And uh, they volunteered uh, to come and serve in Eastern Africa, and we're in Rwanda uh, for a year, and then in Tanzania in the refugee camps after the genocide there in Rwanda. And my father-in-law always spoke very highly of uh, Frank Peavy. And I'll tell you right now, it's hard to get my father-in-law to speak highly of folks, so uh, he's a good man. And uh, they're good folks, and uh, we lived way, way south of uh, Kenya and Tanzania in Port Elizabeth, South Africa, but uh, he, he has a good name, uh, uh, a beloved brother and family there uh, in Africa, but I'm so glad that God is using him here at uh, Longview Point to impact the nations with the gospel beginning right here. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your global impact conference, and I just want to thank you for being a church that's making a difference. We, we, I look as a, a staff member at the International Mission Board, and I'm just grateful for that goal right over there on your wall that you uh, are committed to supporting what God is doing in international missions through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Uh, It makes a difference. I think of that verse in Philippians chapter 1 where it says, I thank my God in every remembrance of you, always offering my every prayer for you with joy in view of our participation or our partnership or our fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And it says, being confident. I love that final verse there, that final thought said what? Being confident of this thing, that he who began a good work in you will do what? He'll bring it to completion in the day that is in Christ Jesus. And what an exciting thought, the fact that uh, God promises us that his name will be what? Be great among the nations. And you've been talking about being amazed at the name of Jesus. And we've been uh, praying through and reading through a book that I've been blessed by. I want to thank you for sharing this book in, uh, in my life. I've been encouraged by it. Be a nobody. Don't just be amazed, but be a nobody for Jesus. But then do something about it. I served with a pastor who often said, you know, being comes before doing. And I, I think that's been the whole emphasis of this book. We can't do what Christ has challenged us and called us to do unless we're willing to be uh, who He expects us to be. And we'll be who He expects us to be when we understand who He is. And we're amazed at the mighty name of Jesus. And then it's not hard to be a nobody. He said, you know, be still and know that I'm God. And my name will what? Be made great among the nations. The Scripture tells us after this gospel has been preached, what, unto all peoples, then the end will come. And so thank you for having a people group focus. I was blessed to hear your pastor talk about that early on. So, so thank you so much. But as we talk about doing something, you know, the, the Nike theme is what? Just do it. But it still comes back to, to doing it within the framework of what God puts together for us uh, in His Word. And, you know, we, we talk about doing things, and we don't often think about prayer a, as part of the task. But I want you to know that every single one of you has a vital and integral part in engaging the nations with the gospel of Christ. We have a Savior uh, who, who tells us, you know, to pray to seek first His kingdom. And when He modeled uh, a prayer for His disciples, what did He tell us to do? He said, listen, our Father who art in heaven, what hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. Where? On earth as it already is being done in heaven. And Father, you know, as a result, how does that happen? Well, Father, we've got to get on our face before You and we've got to trust You 
for our each and every need. When I hear uh, missionaries like Melanie uh, sharing early on here in the service, thinking about living out every day faithfully of her, her life for the, for the honor and glory of the Lord Jesus, they're among a people who pot, it, it seems at times could care less that she's there or certainly are wondering why is she there. But uh, yet she's trusting God for her every need. And we're so thankful at the International Mission Board that you empower us and enable more than 4,500 missionaries around the world, close to 5,000, uh, to go through your gifts. So thank you for being a giving people. Thank you for being a praying people. Thank you for being a sending people. Thank you for being a going people. And it, it does tell us, Father, pro- provide us this day our daily bread. And it goes on to say what? Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lord, if we're going to do something for you, we have to trust in you completely. Father, if we're going to do something for you, we've got to make sure that our sin is confessed up to date and our life is right uh, and we have a proper understanding of who we are. And, and Father, keep us in right relationship with others because you love people. Matter of fact, the theme for that uh, final two chapters, one of the verses was Romans chapter 10, verse 1, where, where Paul said, it's my heart's desire, my, my passion is that Israel would be saved and would come to the knowledge of the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and then finally, what does it say? Father, deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. In other words, keep our lives pure. And then he goes on to say, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You know, we, we need to be kingdom people. People that are committed to doing something for the kingdom. And that, that means we start in our hearts just saying, Father, what is it you're saying to me? What is it I need to hear about your heart? If you have time, you need to go back and review regularly uh, those last two chapters in the book as it talks about seeking God's heart in prayer and being the believer that you need to be and praying for believers to be who they need to be as we take the good name of Jesus to the nations. And I, I want to talk to you today, and I want to share with you out of a passage that's dear to me and really one that framed our ministry for the years we served in South Africa, and I hope it's still what I'm about. Uh, you've probably heard your pastor say, I can tell he's right on target theologically, and we talk about the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, but I want to ask you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. In Matthew chapter, in, in Matthew chapter 28, we talk about the Great Commission, and many times we, we think the Great Commission is to go. But, you know, it's actually framed around the thought of as you go, the Great Commission is to do what? It's to make disciples. It's to make disciples of all nations. And as you make disciples, what do you do? You baptize them, you teach them to observe all things whatsoever Christ has commanded us. But once again, there's good news there. You think, that seems like an impossible task for me. Where would I fit in to that picture? Uh, You know, as a lay member here at Longview Point in Hernando, Mississippi. But I I want you to know that, that Great Commission is framed by two great statements. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You know, we go as ambassadors for Christ. And he says, lo, I'm with you always, even unto the ends of the earth. There's not a one of us here today that has a, a legitimate excuse. Many would say, you know, Lord, I'm willing to go, but secretly in our hearts we're saying I'm planning to stay. <laughs> but uh, I think God's heart for us is to say, Lord, I, I'm planning to go till you say stop. I'm planning to go till you say stop. But as we pray for those that God is calling out, and I would tell you today that you're either a missionary or you're a mission field. I would say that with all my heart today. You're either a missionary or you're a mission field. 
There's somebody that you know that needs to know Jesus. There's someone that you need to be impacting with the good news of Christ right here where you live from the neighbors, as some have said, literally to the nations. But uh, as we prayerfully go about doing that, which Christ has called us to do, what, what do we need to be praying becomes a reality in our life. Let's look in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And Paul is talking to his disciple, the one that he is mentoring in the faith, this young man set apart by uh, the Lord for the gospel ministry. He says, you therefore, my son, what? Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He says, in the things that you have heard from me, in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to what? Faithful men... Women, boys, and girls who will be able to teach others also. He says, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. It says, for no soldier engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of everyday life in order that he may what? Please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. This morning is Jesus the Lord of your life. Because if he's the Lord of your life, as Jim Elliott said, he's your commander. He's your commander. And you have a responsibility to write a blank check with your life and say, Father, what is it you would have me to do? I, I, I just have to avail myself to you. He says, and if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the w- rules. It says the hardworking farmer must be the first to be partake of the crops, he says, consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in all of these things. Now, as we ask the Lord to empower us as individuals, to ask the Lord to rest His hand on our body of believers right here, being salt and light in Hernando, Mississippi, as you begin to seek what God is saying to you about continuing to engage the nations with the gospel of Christ and impacting the nations through praying, through giving, through going, through encouraging, however the Lord uses you, how can you be praying a prayer that results in action? The, the prayers that uh, God would ask us to pray in our life, I believe just like Jesus said, pray ye therefore the what? The Lord of the harvest, that he will send out laborers into the harvest. And if you'll read the follow-on of that passage, the ones that prayed were the ones that ended up getting up and going. So as we talk about praying for His name to be made great among the nations, what do we need to be praying about our own lives? Allow me the privilege of just sharing a little bit of my personal testimony. Uh, I, I grew up as a missionary kid in Kenya. You know, I was the son of a Baptist preacher in Knoxville, Tennessee when I was six years old, and I can remember uh, at the end of a service, Dad sharing with the congregation that God was uh, calling our family to go to Africa. Now, I'm going to have to be honest with you. There was a little stretch in my life where I was one of those preacher's kids that I would say things like, Dad, do I have to go to church? You know, it seemed like we were there on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday evening for visitation, Wednesday evening uh, for prayer meeting, and uh, Mom would take me on whenever, take me along whenever the ladies were meeting, and I would say, Dad, do I have to go to church? And he would say, No, son, you get to go. And I would try to figure that out on the way to church. And uh, I, I can remember coming up to Dad and say, Dad, I don't think God said anything to me about going to Africa. 
uh, do I have to go? And I found out I got to go. And uh, we arrived in Kenya, and we lived in the city of Mombasa, and I grew up speaking Swahili and playing soccer and went to a school called Rift Valley Academy when I, when I, when I got into high school where I played soccer and rugby. And uh, I, I was like most missionary kids, you know, I, I enjoyed living overseas, but I also enjoyed coming back to the United States. And I can remember when we were here in 1972 for what we call furlough back then, uh, I got to see the University of Tennessee uh, play football. Now, I noticed this morning when I was introduced as a former place kicker at the University of Tennessee that, uh, you know, I got a good lesson in how to learn to be a nobody. I, I didn't just sense a surge uh, out there of excitement when uh, I shared that to be the fact. That's okay. Uh, but anyway, I actually saw the University of Tennessee play, and back, back in the 70s, there weren't a lot of soccer options for you if you were coming back to college. And so uh, I saw this guy run out on the field and kick a field goal, and the crowds cheered, and I thought, wow, I think I'd like that. And so I decided uh, when I got to be a senior at Rift Valley Academy, I'd come to know Christ when I was nine years old, and God had called me into ministry when I was in uh, my teenage years, but uh, I, I decided that I wanted to kick at Tennessee, so I wrote the head coach a letter, and I said, uh, could I have a scholarship to be the place kicker at the University of Tennessee? You know, I got the nicest letter back from him. He said, I'd love to give you a scholarship, but we don't have any game film on you, but uh, I tell you what, you, you, you come as a walk-on, and we'll be glad to put you to work. Now, I didn't have any idea what a walk-on was, but I showed all of my friends at Rift Valley Academy that letter. I said, I'm going to Tennessee as a walk-on place kicker. Now, I didn't realize most walk-ons end up crawling off, okay? And uh, when I got there, I found out uh, very quickly that I didn't want any part uh, of where the walk-on running backs and everybody else were getting their brains blasted out uh, every practice on the scout team. As a matter of fact, I was in a drill, and the coach looked at me, and he he said, Duncan, you're next in a tackling drill. And the guy before me had just gotten obliterated. And I just began saying to him, He said, are you a kicker? I said, yes, sir. He said, go over to that field and never come back. And I said, praise the Lord. And so I went over there. And I was the seventh, I was the 13th string place kicker. But you know, I, I ended up uh, earning the job of starting kicker there. I started for three years. And I'll never forget my, my coaches kind of got, got to my sense of personal pride because they told me, yeah, now your job on kickoffs is to be a safety. And I said, well, what does that mean? They said, well, that means let the real men go down the field and make the tackle. Now, I just decided if I ever had a chance, I was going to unload on somebody. And uh, I kicked off against Georgia Tech, and uh, I got hurt very badly trying to <laughs> tackle this guy. It wasn't a, a season-ending injury or anything like that, but I thought I'd died because I could see that light through the end of the tunnel, and then I realized I was looking through the ear hole of my helmet while I was laying there on the field. And, 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 the, and the, loud, the guy on the speaker said, Duncan makes the tackle, and I couldn't believe it. I was just so thrilled. He said, Duncan makes the tackle, and I, I thought, well, I can't lay here squirming like this. I've got to stand up and act like I was a man. And I stood up and... I mean, this guy was nowhere to be seen. I thought, I've hit him so hard, there's nothing left but molecular structure, you know. And, and I looked, and on the five-yard line, Clark Duncan had made the tackle. As they say today, he had trucked me, okay? Well, now you might say, now what, what spiritual application do you have for this? Well, I, I learned that God had verses in the Scripture for place kickers. You know, there's one in uh, Proverbs 3, 25 and 26 says, Do not be afraid of a sudden panic. That described every coach I ever knew. When their job relied on a guy who's 
right foot uh, was going to kick the ball through the uprights and all they knew that I knew about football was about as most, much as most cheerleaders do or probably less. And, uh, you know, said, don't be afraid of sudden panic. Said, nor the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. That described every defensive lineman I'd ever known. Said, for the Lord will be your confidence and he'll keep your foot from being caught. You know, I used to try to be focused. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. I'd say, you know, hey, diddle diddle, like my coach said, right down the middle. That's how I planned to do my job. But, uh, you know, I learned that I wasn't going to make it as a linebacker. Uh, I, I learned to try to be faithful with the gifts and talents that God had put into place in my life. But if you'll look in 2 Timothy chapter 2, I, I want to remind you of something that, that I learned that day about my lack of abilities in front of about 85,000 people. Uh, we need to understand as we pray for those that God is calling out and setting apart and sending into some of the toughest places and they go with seminary degrees perhaps, they go with successful business careers, they walk away from uh, medical positions, uh, they, they go and take their families and they go excited and thrilled and enthusiastic just like you have a couple uh, that have come off your staff that are getting ready to go to the field. But as we pray for those that God is calling out to do something, for the sake of His great name, we need to pray one simple thing. Lord God, make them strong in Christ. You therefore, my son. Timothy, be strong in your pulpit presence. You therefore, my son, be, be strong in, in, in how sharp you can uh, appear when you engage in dialogue with those who are unbelievable. No, he says, you therefore, my son, be what? Be strong in the grace of that is in Christ Jesus. There's not a missionary in the world that won't appreciate you praying that they be strong in Christ. Why? Because under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we've been promised what? We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. You might say today, but... <laughs> You know, I come to the Global Impact Conference, and I get excited about what I hear God doing, but how does that apply to me? I, there's so many flaws. There's so many weaknesses in my life. There's so many reasons that I can't imagine God would use me. God can use you if you'll be strong in Christ, regardless of who you are or what your situation might be this morning. But not only do you need to be strong in Christ, could I encourage you to be teachable in your spirit. It says, And the things you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who what? Who'll be able to teach others also. You know, one of the things that God does ask of us, and, you know, we found out that the International Mission Board asks this of us as well when we go to the field, is to become proficient if we are a career missionary in the language of the people that we are engaging uh, now, that's not expected of our short-term volunteers, uh, and even journeymen and those that come for six months, but I've learned to appreciate those who start from the very get-go as they get involved in a culture, trying to understand that language is a window into a culture, and it's a way that people can hear the gospel in their heart language. And so when we moved to Port Elizabeth, South Africa, we, we were excited about going to work, my wife Andrea and my four children, Betsy, Beth Ann, Chrissy, and Kurt, we were going to be working among the ex-Hosa people. Man, I was fired up. And I wasn't that threatened with the idea of learning the language because I thought, goodness gracious, I spoke Swahili growing up. And, man, I studied about uh, South Africa, and I studied about the ex-Hosa people. And, 
Listen, I thought I had all kinds of answers to the questions uh, that awaited me there. I found out when I got there, I didn't even really know what the questions were. I mean, culture can be a challenging thing, but I, I found out the language was a click language. Uh, it's not ex hosa, it's causa. That's how you say the word. And uh, matter of fact, if I said God is holy above all others, I'd say, And I was just struggling and battling and pushing forward slowly in the language. Now, they, they fell in love with our children. You know, many a missionary has been humbled by their children and the way they engage uh, uh, the community just by their presence. But uh, I, I remember they gave my oldest daughter the name, Nolutondo, one who had God's love in her life. My second daughter, Beth Ann, her Kosa name was Pindiwe. I said, what does Pindiwe mean? They said, oh, it means you got a girl again. I said, okay. <laughs> I bet she really appreciates that. And then my third daughter, Chrissy, her name was uh, Nozibele. And I said, what does Nozibele mean? They said, oh, it means one who has God's grace, friendly. And then my son, his Kosa name was Siabulela. I said, tell me what Siabulela means. Oh, that means thank God you had a boy. So uh, I learned a little bit about culture right there. But anyway, I was battling along. And so I went to this pastor, Pastor Chris DeCon, and I said, Pastor Chris, can you help me get a hold of this language of Kosa? He said, I'm, I'm really battling. And, uh, you know, they said that when we come to the field, we come as a learner. And so I said, Pastor Chris, can, can you teach me to speak in Kosa? He said, I said, sorry. He said, well, he said, in English, that means it's going to be tough because a white man's tongue is lazy. I said, all right. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I said, well, listen, how do you teach your children? They said, we should just become like a little child. They made that emphasis in the book, be a nobody. Uh, and he said, well, he said, we've got a little poem we teach our children. I said, okay, well, say it to me. He said, he said, I'll have to speak very slowly. I said, well, go ahead. I'm listening. I've got my pen out. He said, I said, okay, dude, say that a lot slower. <laughs> and I wrote that down. I began to practice that. Man, my tongue had a blowout and hadn't been right since. But I'll tell you, I was, I was getting excited, you know, about learning this language. And I remember I went to my first uh, youth camp because we were doing student and sports evangelism there in South Africa. And I, I was in a room full of students, and this lady was cooking uh, some lovely, exciting sheep gut stew. And, uh, and uh, you know, the missionary prayers, Lord, I'll put it down if you'll keep it down. And I, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, I want to say something about this meal she's cooking. And I, I thought I came out with a really impressive sentence for a first-year missionary in South Africa. But I don't know what I said, but every student in the room just cleared out because they were so embarrassed by it. And I thought, boy, I really messed up here. So I, I went out the door, and uh, this guy named Malik Ole, he grabbed me. He said, Pastor, he said, don't ever say that word again. I said, well, I would not say, I will not say it if I know which word I said. I said, what did I say? He said, I could never say that word. He said, it's the worst word in our language. I said, oh, my goodness. I said, here I've already compromised my testimony. And I said, would you please just call all the students back together? I said, I want to ask them to forgive me because I'm so embarrassed and I'm so ashamed that I've done this. I'll never forget what he said. He looked at me and I learned a lot about grace. He said, oh, don't worry. Best he could say in English. He said, don't worry, Pastor. We, we know you are stupid. <laughs> Now, he said it with a gentle heart. He spoke the truth. He spoke the truth in love. But what I'm saying today is you pray 
for those that God is calling out. As you, as you think about how that might not just apply to those that God is calling, but as He is calling you and speaking to your heart about, you know, maybe some of the excuses you might have placed before the Lord as reasons that you might go over there and blow it. Listen, if God can use me, He can use anybody. He, he, he sees your heart and people will see your heart. People want to see that you care enough to come and engage them with the wonderful news that Jesus saves. And that means being teachable in your spirit. But it also means, be, I would also encourage you to, to pray that we'll be courageous as soldiers. If we're going to do something for the Lord, we need to be strong in Christ. We need to be teachable in our spirit. But we also need to recognize that we're going to need courage as we serve in God's army. I, I, I think of missionaries that God is placing in some of the most difficult places on the planet and churches now that are adopting unreached, unengaged people groups. And they're, they're going to places we haven't been able to get to because their business uh, abilities or medical abilities open doors that, that we don't have long term in countries. And it's exciting and it's thrilling, but it also would cause us to get on our face before the Lord and say, God, keep your hand on us and protect us. You know, God began to deal with my daughter Betsy about a call to missions. And I I know that when she was uh, 13 years old, God impressed upon her heart that she was to work among Islamic peoples. And, uh, you know, that that can be very disconcerting to a father and uh, a mother and God put her together with a young man at the University of Tennessee, and he had always felt called to work among East Asian peoples, where at that time we didn't think there were many Muslim folks, so we didn't think that marriage was going to happen. But they ended up going together, and they're now serving in East Asia. And we found out that there's a people group that they're engaging that are about 8 million strong, that are almost totally Islamic, probably 200 known believers out of that 8 million. They call them the Bay people. That's not their actual names. But I, I'd ask you pray for Betsy and Philip. But I, I'd say beyond that, pray for, for a people that God begins to place on your heart and continues to stir in your heart as you come to conferences like this and you get plugged into what God is doing uh, through your church's commitment to engaging the nations with the gospel. Do something. What, what's he saying to you about your vacation? What's he saying to you uh, about your summer if you're a college student? What's he saying to you about maybe taking a semester off in the middle of your college studies or two years off as a journeyman? You just never know what the Lord might do. You know, I, I just know that God calls folks from the seats that you're sitting in, in our Southern Baptist churches. You know, I thank God that he's not just working through Southern Baptists, but I praise the Lord that uh, we have cooperatively as 45,000 churches committing, committed to taking the gospel to the toughest places in the world. And it takes courage. But that courage comes when we understand we're good soldiers in the army of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we understand that our commander, our commander has said we're not to be involved in the affairs of everyday life. How does that happen? We pray that we'll be disciplined. We'll be disciplined as an athlete. He said, for no athlete wins a prize unless he competes according to the rules. You know, these past few weeks you've been reminded, as you've looked through really some great passages of Scripture, 
I mean, some mountain peaks of Scripture. Every word, all Scripture is inspired by God. But I'll tell you, I've just been so encouraged as I've read through this book to just be reminded of some passages that God had used in my own life through the years to just stir me to understand what a great and mighty God we have. And we have a Savior who said, listen, you need to spend time alone with the Father. And He modeled it. And I I would just say that, that you need to commit yourself to the spiritual disciplines. Be amazed at Jesus. Be amazed at the fact that God bankrupt heaven when He sent His precious Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for you and I. You and me. And I would just say today, be disciplined for the athlete that is committed to the spiritual disciplines wins the spiritual prize. You know, Paul said in Second Timothy a little further on, he says, I fought the fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. He said, therefore, there is laid up for me a crown. But you know that crown, that treasure, Scripture teaches us when he spoke to the Thessalonians, he said, you're my treasure. You're my treasure. You know, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that is wise wins souls. I, I just believe in my heart of hearts that God is stirring afresh and anew among this church of what, it's, what it means to be a true disciple, to know and to follow hard after the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we close today, I would remind you that it's the hardworking farmer who will be the first to receive his share of the crops. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Would you bow your heads with me? Close your eyes. Still your hearts. As we have this opportunity to respond to what I believe God is saying to your hearts today in this Global Impact Conference. We've talked about being strong in Christ, being teachable in our spirit, being courageous as soldiers, being disciplined as athletes, and being committed like the hardworking farmer. But I would tell you today that it doesn't have to happen based on how you will it to be. Because in Isaiah 45, the Father says, I've gone before you. I've made the crooked way straight. I've opened the gates of bronze. I've delivered you, cut through the bars of iron. He says, why? So that you may receive hidden treasures in dark places. Oh, isn't that amazing to think about? That the nations, that you and that the nations may know that I am the God of Israel. Don't you want to pray this morning that you'll do what Christ has already helped you recognize who you should be? That you'll do it. That you'll live it out. That you'll make yourself available to Him. Father, I just pray this morning in this season of invitation maybe there are those Lord God who just need to come and kneel at this altar and pray God break my heart over the nations break my heart over people who have never heard the name of Jesus four billion on this planet unengaged with the gospel two billion plus who've never even heard the name of Jesus Father break our hearts Lord, as you would stir in the hearts of us a willingness to be obedient, Father, if you would speak to us about saying, Lord, 
as we come and kneel here or take our pastor by the hand, would we say, Dear God, I'm willing to give two weeks. I'm, I, my whole life is yours, but I, I'll find a way, even if it's my vacation. College student, high school student, perhaps there's a summer opportunity waiting there for you. Maybe the Lord's speaking to you about a semester, two years, or even a lifetime commitment. Thank you that this church has an example, even among their own people, of what it means to just follow you and go till God says stop. Help us be willing to do that, and we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.